Hello, my name is Kelly Bramblett and I am passionate about helping others live a high vibe lifestyle so that they're able to feel their absolute best. I am a self-help author as well as a certified general life coach and law of attraction practitioner. I specialize in both trauma recovery and mindset coaching. You can learn more about my work and my weekly blog by visiting my website at www.kellybramblett.com or to make it easier, just my first and last name.com. I am so happy you've joined me here today for this high vibe podcast episode. So if you're ready, let's go ahead and dive in. Hello, and welcome to my fourth episode of my High Vibe podcast. I am so excited you decided to join me here today. So in this podcast episode, I'm going to be talking about something that affects so many people, which is anxiety. But not only am I going to be discussing anxiety, I'm going to be talking about different things and practices that you can incorporate into your life that will help to heal your anxiety. So Many of these things I'm going to talk with you about today will work instantly, let's say if you're on the verge of a panic attack or you're feeling that really strong anxiety. But in addition to that, if you practice these things consistently, over time you'll notice that the anxiety becomes less and less and one day maybe even you might not have it at all. So this is a subject that's actually really near and dear to my heart. Um, I have struggled with anxiety for as long as I can remember. And from the stories that I've heard, you know, this has been something that I've struggled with almost since birth. And so my life has really been affected by this toxic energy. After 40 years, I finally have come to learn the cause of my anxiety, which is um, my heightened sensitivity. You know, at the time when I was a kid and struggling my whole life with this, nobody had ever heard the term highly sensitive person. And this extra gene hadn't even been discovered yet. But we now know science has proven that 15 to 20% of all people and animals, and this is what's really interesting, this gene shows up in, in other animals as well, but that 20, 15 to 20% of all people and animals possess an extra gene that causes the sensitivity. So I think it's important to understand too that this isn't the same as being an empath at all. While, you know, having an empathetic nature is an aspect of being a highly sensitive person. The two things are really different in nature because they really do. One has to do with, you know, the absorption of energy, being able to kind of intuitively read a room, kind of absorbing other people's energy at times to our own detriment. And that is really different to where this is actually more scientifically based on the way the mind works and the way the mind processes information. So they really are two separate things, but one, you know, being an empath usually fits into this category. Most people who are empaths are also highly sensitive people, but not all, you know, my daughter is very empathetic and she's definitely an empath, but she doesn't have the same sensitivities that I have. So that's not all I would just say most and that's only from my experience, you know. Learning different techniques and practices like the one I'm going to share with you today have absolutely been life-changing for me. So I know that they can help you too, no matter how severe your anxiety is. 
um, like I said, this has been a huge part of my life as well. So I understand what it's like, you know, when you can't even get out of bed and your heart's racing and you're pouring sweat and you're vomiting and your hands are shaking. Like, you know, there's no worse feeling than than that. And I've lived a lot of my life in that state of mind. And I can say from implementing these practices into my life today, do I still have anxiety? Yeah, sometimes I do, but never to that degree. It's very manageable now. You know, I'm able to automatically begin to lean into these things when I feel that twin show up and kind of stop it before it has the opportunity to grow and manifest into more anxiety and kind of snowball into one of those full-on attacks that become debilitating. I am not sure that I will ever be 100% free of anxiety. I don't think that any amount of meditation and prayer and practice and grounding or any of this stuff is ever going to make me live a life where I'm going to be anxiety free because, you know, like I said, this is something biological that's happening inside of my body and part of my human experience. For whatever reason, I chose to come here and have this be one of the major themes in my life, you know, maybe so I could help other people um, who are struggling as well. But for whatever reason, this was my choice and this is, you know, the way it is. And so I've accepted that. But like I said, I can 100% say that my anxiety, I feel like is at a very normal and level because we're all going to experience anxiety sometime. Like who isn't going to have anxiety? Like it's, it's kind of part of our nature. Once in a while, we're going to worry. We're going to have stresses. You know, life is going to throw curveballs at us that cause us to like slip into that anxious mode. So if you guys are ready, I'm ready to dive in today and explore even deeper how you can begin to heal your anxiety through using these same practices and techniques that I use. I'm going to take a quick 30 second break and then I'll be back. So the first thing I'm going to share with you today will not only be a wonderful resource to help you deal with your anxiety, but it's also just going to help you with your, you know, personal development journey in general. And that is to practice consistent and regular mindfulness. Now, if you're not quite sure what that means and, and what mindfulness means when you hear people talk about this, it simply means living in the present moment. You're not focused on the future and you're not dwelling on the past. You're centered, you're anchored, you're grounded in the moment. And your mind is only focusing on what's happening around you in this moment. So people who struggle with anxiety are usually focused somewhere else other than the present moment. They're either thinking about the future with worry, concern, dread, or sometimes they're even thinking about the past and there's feelings like shame, guilt, and other things like this that bring on the anxiety as well. And this way of thinking always in the future or worrying about the past becomes a habit in the actual biological brain. You know, we form neural pathways depending on how we think. And so if this has been your habit of thinking this way, like it is for almost everyone who suffers with anxiety, then you've created those pathways in the mind. And so your thoughts are naturally going to flow to an anxious way of thinking. So the key here is to retrain the, the brain to a way of thinking that's going to support you. 
It takes between three to six weeks to form a new habit because that's about how long it takes to form these new neuropathways in the mind once you start doing something different. So when you first start this exercise that I'm going to tell you about, I recommend maybe leaving little post-it notes around you or something to remind you to do this several times during the day because it's not your habit and it's you're going to naturally forget about it. So you're going to want that reminder for the first few weeks while you're doing this to like, you know, slip into this practice. The other really useful thing about the exercise I'm going to share with you is that you can use this when you are about to have a panic attack as well. So this exercise, if you feel it and things have already kind of snowballed, you've kind of lost control of your subconscious thinking and realize that, you know, it's too late. The anxiety attack is coming. The adrenaline's been released. You know, you can visit this exercise and this is really great for stopping a panic attack in, in its tracks. So in this exercise, you, you're going to use all five senses to bring you into the present moment. And, you know, we all have busy days. I know, you know, you might be at work, you might be whatever. So it's not possible for you necessarily to take five to 10 minutes, you know, once an hour. But if you can just even take 10 to 20 seconds once an hour and maybe make, just focus on sight for one, hearing for, you know, another break touch, feel, etc. You know, you don't have to go through all five of the senses um, what, to, to accomplish this, but just focus on one. And the most important thing is, is that you're doing it consistently throughout the day and several times throughout the day. So what you would do, and I'm going to just start with sight um, to give you an example. So what you would do is you would take, let's say your break that you've planned to take as you're working through this you process and you are going to locate five things around you to look at that you can see even better if you can choose things that are pleasurable for you to look at you know that are nice on your eye palette so to speak and then one by one take your five objects that you've chosen and start to focus on them one at a time and start to notice things like the colors the texture what emotions show up for you when you're looking at this item? If you're going to focus on sound, then you would pick out five sounds that you can hear. How do these sounds make you feel? What are their different pitches? Really go into as much detail, absorbing as much as you're able to. This draws you into the present moment. It brings the mind focused on what's happening around you and it doesn't leave space for the mind to wonder. So the deeper that you're able to do this, the more you're able to like absorb these details and be mindful of exactly what you're hearing, what you're seeing, what you're feeling, what you're tasting, all these things, you're not leaving room for the mind to kind of go off on its own and wonder. You're taking control of where your thoughts are headed and you're directing your thoughts to a place that can support you in that moment as opposed to letting your thoughts kind of run wild and become toxic and destructive to you in that moment. When you do this for consistently for a good few weeks, then what happens is you've now formed new neuropathways in the brain. And so it's going to become your second nature, your first nature, I guess, to 
be mindful in the moment, to be aware of what's going on around you and to not allow the mind to wonder. And you're not going to have to work so hard at directing those thoughts. Then you can kind of just let your mind do what it wants to do because you've trained it to think in the way that you want it to think in a way that's supporting you. So the next thing I'm going to tell you about that is really useful in dealing with anxiety is grounding. And, you know, grounding kind of gets misused in my book a lot. I think it gets kind of interchanged with mindfulness because mindfulness grounds us to the moment and so, and anchors us to the moment, as I told you. And so people kind of interchange these two words. But what grounding actually is, is when you walk barefoot or really have any kind of skin-to-skin contact with the earth and allow your body to absorb the negative ions. These negative ions go into the body and they do all kinds of stuff. They fight free radicals, they strengthen the immune system, but it's also a very comforting practice. In fact, really just being outside in nature in any capacity whether that's even just stepping outside your apartment door and looking up at the sky and witnessing the clouds like even just witnessing nature in any capacity is a very comforting and healing act but when you're able to actually absorb these ions it's very beneficial to the entire nervous system as well and so if you live somewhere where it's really rainy, it's really cold, and you really can't get outside, they actually make and sell grounding mats that you can put under a desk or put under your feet that um, produce these negative ions so that your body's able to absorb them this way when you can't get out. And so it, this is also really great for people who get seasonal depression. So I definitely recommend if you're one of these people um, that suffers with like seasonal depression or the anxiety that I'm talking about with you here and you're not really able to get outside very often, grab one of these mats. Um, you can also do the Himalayan salt lamps. Those kind of put negative ions into your environment. Working with stones and crystals, you will be able to absorb these negative ions in that way. So it's, if you can see what I'm saying, it's being able to interact with earth, with nature, um, and get these ions into the body. It's a very, very calming act for you. So the key is to get outside often, even if it's just a step outside and, you know, look at how beautiful the moon is or watch the sunrise or sunset, you know, just however you're able to fit that into your schedule, just try to begin incorporating moments of being outside. And if you're able to do it barefoot, even better. Something else I always suggest. So when we have anxiety the root chakra is always going to be depleted when you're in this energy it's impossible for the root chakra to re remain balanced while you're in a state of anxiety now that doesn't mean that you know when we have the normal kind of anxieties throughout the day that we'll all have i mean we're all going to cycle through you know waves and cycles through the day of anxieties just short bursts of it we're just not really consciously aware but those things are normal those normal cycles so i'm not talking about in this instance but i'm saying when you chronically suffer with anxiety and it's you know become debilitating for you and it's kind of a way of life for you now that's always an indication that the root chakra is in a weakened state so 
doing work on the root chakra is always recommended when you're dealing with anxiety issues. There's many ways that you can work on bringing balance to the root chakra. So definitely just, you know, begin exploring if you're not as familiar with the chakra systems or you don't really understand necessarily the root chakra. Do some exploring and look for some ways that you can um, begin to strengthen that energy part of your body. And you can also visit my website. I am really... Um, enamored with energy work and energy healing and working with the chakras. So I tend to um, write about this topic a lot. So I do have quite a bit of stuff about the root chakra on my website as well. So if you're wanting to explore, go ahead and take a peek there and that's a great place to get started. So the next thing I'm going to talk to you about is something that the further you know along on my spiritual journey i go the more that i find myself really resonating with this practice but this is working with the breath or otherwise known as breath work working with the breath is such a powerful act for many many reasons it's very cleansing to the energetic and physical body but it also really does help promote mindfulness it's a type of focused meditation that will really bring you into the present moment i have fallen in love with um, kundalini yoga which is pretty much like focused on different type of breath work for like awakening that kundalini energy but it is so powerful when you begin to realize how your breath affects the way you feel on a whole and so for anxiety there's a certain type of breath work that I um, highly, highly recommend because there's many different types. You can do breath work if you need like a burst of energy or you can use, you know, your breath to relax you. So honestly, the spectrum of what you can use your breath for to invoke within you is, is, a, lar is a really large spectrum there. But this type that I'm going to tell you is specifically um, used for bringing balance to both sides of the brain, which then brings energetic balance, which then brings calming sensations and feelings to you and your nervous system in every single way. So it's a type of breathing called alternate nasal breathing. And you might wanna take a peek at a video to get a better idea, but pretty much just like it sounds, you plug one nostril and you're going to inhale very deeply through just the one nostril with the other nostril plugged and then you suspend that breath not for very long you know two or three seconds or so and then you plug the nostril that you were breathing in from and you release that breath through the opposite nostril and then breathe in once again through the opposite nostril and back and forth you go so i'm not sure if this makes sense when i'm just explaining it to you but definitely um take a peek online if you need a little bit more like guidance on this and watch a video of someone explaining this because this breath work is something that you can also use at the onset of a panic attack so the second you feel one coming on you can go to this type of breathing and instantly find relief but in addition to that if you make this something you do you know let's say you spend five minutes you know in the mornings practicing this in the shower even like utilize your time in that way so that you can easily fit it into your schedule you're going to notice the balancing effect this has on you and your life like across the board so there's a type of anxiety that's caused when 
we are focused on something very specific. So there's like generalized anxiety where you're just overly anxious. You know, that's what my doctors diagnosed me with at some point, general anxiety disorder, meaning that you're generally just an anxious person for no reason. But there's times when life kind of throws us a curveball. You know, maybe someone's lost a job and we're worried about finances or, you know, something like this has happened that is cause for concern and you're finding a hard time kind of getting a grip on it. You're letting those thoughts become obsessive and those obsessive thoughts over the future are now turning to worry over the specific thing that you're concerned with. In this situation, the best thing that you can do is surrender, surrender to faith. You know, if something is out of your control, at this moment and again do everything like in the situation where I said with the job using that as an example obviously you don't just surrender that doesn't mean you stop looking for a job and you don't worry about anything like definitely keep taking action and actionable steps to get you to a better place but allow yourself to drop the worry over something that you can't control and a lot of times I find because I you know do this as well I'm just a worrier in general you know um, and I find that if I'll ask myself what's the absolute worst thing that's gonna happen to me if everything goes exactly the way that I'm worried that they go to and I kind of allow myself to play out that worst-case scenario and it's usually yeah it might not be the best it might involve who knows what you know let's say using the job as an example you've lost your job and you play out the worst case scenario the worst case scenario is you can't pay your bills you lose your home but then you realize as you're playing out the scenario well if this happens i know that let's just say my parents would not leave me stranded on the streets to starve you know and so i would probably end up staying with them and yeah it wouldn't be ideal and it wouldn't be the greatest but i wouldn't be on the streets and so when i look at this worst possible outcome even the worst possible outcome just it, it's not terrible and sometimes just allowing that outcome to play out puts it in enough perspective where you're able then to surrender you're like okay i've seen what the worst case scenario is it, it's not the best but you know it doesn't really warrant all this fear i'm going to do my best to get in a better situation and do what i need to do to get there and then allow myself to release this fear because now you see you don't really have to be afraid like it's a life or death situation Often when we are in this state of anxiety, it's because the ego has massively stood up here and you are kind of being controlled by the fearful voice of ego. But when you start to let that scenario play out and you realize that the worst case scenario is not that bad and that everything's going to be okay, that things always do work out because, you know, I tend to believe that things really do always work out in the end, you know for the best and so holding on to that idea and belief and surrendering your faith to the universe why has the universe put you in this situation like if you're being presented with challenges that are causing you to worry instead of wasting that energy worrying about something you can't control start to go inward why are you being presented with this challenge what are you 
made to learn from this? Where is the lesson? The universe doesn't test us. The universe challenges us. The universe teaches us because to test us would imply that we can fail and failure just isn't an option. It's not a choice. We can't fail. We can only learn. And so when life has kind of presented you with these challenges, I always encourage you to go inward and say, where is the lesson here? And that is a far more productive way of dealing with these challenges and stresses than just like anxiously worrying about something you can't control, you know, reminding yourself that the universe always has your back. The universe is always supporting you. So while you may not feel supported in this very moment, just allow your faith to let you feel supported knowing that there's things outside of what you're able to see right now. So that is my number one advice for someone who's really struggling with situational anxiety. And the more you practice this type of surrender, the less you're going to be reacting to the curveballs that life throws at you. You're going to begin responding and to respond is a much more in alignment space to work from. And so responding becomes your habit now. So practice this act of surrender when you are met with these challenges and notice over time how the way that you respond and react, you stop reacting and you begin responding. Notice how that changes. Another useful practice when you find yourself in the throes of anxiety is learning to shift your fear. So, you know, I would notice with myself when I used to have these really debilitating bouts of anxiety that I would start to maybe think about having anxiety. I wasn't even necessarily feeling anything yet physically to indicate, but maybe I was just anticipating it or thinking about the last one I had. For whatever reason, it would come to mind. And as I would begin to think about it, that would kind of plant the seed. And then I would begin to form anxiety around getting anxiety. And before I would know it, this entire thought process and flow would snowball. And now I'm back in the throes of an anxiety attack, all because I allowed that seed to kind of grow. So when you begin to learn how to shift your fear, you recognize when that seed is being planted in your mind, you, you know, you become aware of that and then you instantly redirect your thoughts to something more positive before you allow that seed to kind of grow and blossom and take on a life of its own. Abraham Hicks has a really great technique along these lines where Esther talks about reaching for the next best thought. So, you know, if that seed's kind of been planted and it doesn't make you feel too good, that thought's not the best, you're going to immediately look for a thought to replace it with that makes you feel better. And if that thought, original thought, kind of really got that spark of anxiety going, say that you felt your heart rate start to pick up, Reaching for a thought that's just like outrageously, you know, joyful might be difficult for you. And so 
it's about reaching for just a slightly better thought than the one you're having and kind of working your way up in steps so that you don't feel frustrated. You know, if you're in a point and like I said, the onset's already taken over and the hands are shaking and the heart's beating and the mind's kind of starting to race and you notice you're starting to kind of lose that control over your thinking, it's going to be really, really difficult for you to conjure up the type of thought that's going to completely bring you physically down from that space. So it's about just finding one that's just a little bit less anxious than the one you're thinking. And then once you've grabbed onto that thought, you're going to anchor onto that thought and use it to jump to a slightly better thought than that one. So use each thought as a step towards getting to that ultimate, you know, way of thinking that's going to bring you joy and comfort in that moment. So what this does is it really suffocates the anxiety out at the source before it's had time to like deeply root in the energy body and even really manifest physically. And in time, as you practice reaching for the next better thought, again, just like all the practices I've discussed with you today, it becomes your habit. And so without very much effort on your part in time, the second even subconsciously there's an anxious thought that's being had, your brain is going to go on autopilot and begin counteracting that thought with more positive thoughts that are going to be supporting you. So if you struggle with anxiety, I really, really hope that this podcast today has inspired you and empowered you and giving you some tools and techniques to use um, to incorporate into your life to combat your anxiety. Thank you so much for joining me today. As always, I'm sending each and every one of you so much love.